Santiago, uh, Chile, after our ministry in Brazil. And I'll share a little bit about that with you in a moment. And then after that, we adjourned to the U.S. Um, to see our daughter. Um, her family is there. My grandson is now 11 years old. Can you imagine that? how time flies? And uh, he's into tennis. And we are praying that uh, he will show up at the tennis, uh, at, at the Australian Open uh, in a few years' time, right? And uh, he's, he's, he's really getting pretty good in, in tennis. He even taught me some, some skills <laughs> when, when we were there. And, uh, you know, when we went to uh, Brazil, we didn't know quite what to expect. And, uh, but, you know, Brazil uh, actually is experiencing revival. Um, and I'll show you afterwards a picture uh, of three million Brazilians going on a march for Jesus in Sao Paulo. And um, they, they wanted to declare, three million of them, that Brazil belongs to Jesus. Three million of them. And so it was a, a real joy to be able to minister in Brazil. I think we even have a Brazilian family join us recently. Where are you, Minero? Are you around or that? Yes, they are at the back there. Can you stand? Can you stand? The whole family. Minero was a world-class um, uh, footballer, soccer player. He played for um, Brazil in, in the World Cup previously. So we have some, somebody really significant. Thank you. God bless you. Welcome to our church. Um, but, uh, you know, Brazil is still experiencing revival from the 80s. Uh, and uh, when I was ministering in Brazil, it felt like uh, I was back to Malaysia during the time of revival. And it was so easy to minister there. We ministered, I ministered at uh, a couple of churches, but in one of the churches, uh, it's a 12,000 strong church. And they have a big auditorium that takes maybe... 4,000 or so, and so I got the privilege of preaching there, and um, the people were just drinking in, you know, when I was speaking. It, it just felt like the time of revival uh, when, during, when we were in Malaysia during that time, and uh, I'll be speaking a little bit about revival in a moment, but this is the team that, uh, of course, the middle, it's not showing, it's here, all right. The middle couple, uh, Fabio and his wife, they are based in Brazil, but they will be coming over uh, pretty soon, and he'll be coming here for two years to teach soccer. But he's also a youth pastor. He pastors, here this Jordan, uh, our youth pastor, he pastors 1,000 kids. 1,000. And so in this 12,000-member church, they have 12 pastors to 12,000 people. So each pastor looks after 1,000 people. No wonder they are burning out. And last year alone, it was reported that at least 11 pastors committed suicide in Brazil. So revival is great, but if we do not know how to handle revival, it can result in burnout of their pastors and leaders because they just don't know how to cope with the demand. And people just get saved. I remember preaching at his church <clears throat> that has 12,000 people. So I preached that service and uh, with interpretation, of course, and I had a time limit. And so after preaching, I handed it over to the pastor and the pastor came up and make, made an altar call and nearly 100 people came up for salvation, you know. It's uh, really not my doing, but, you know, that's the kind of atmosphere in Brazil at this moment. And so we had a tremendous, powerful time uh, ministering to the pastors there, uh, taking into context that many of the pastors are burning out. I, I talked to the senior pastor uh, his name is 
Fabio, and all of them sound the same. Fabio, Fabio, and uh, and and I ask him, uh, when is your day off, Pastor? He says, I have no day off. Uh, I only take two mornings off a week. Only two mornings. The rest of the time, I'm working. Full, full steam ahead. I said, if you go on at this rate, you will be burned out very soon. And so here's some videos. Are you ready with the videos? Um, to show you the testimonies of the pastors that came to our retreat. Thank you pelo investimento na nossa vida, for the investment into our lives, pela, por permitir que Deus usasse vocês, permitting that God use you. Quando eu vim para este evento, tanto eu quanto a minha esposa, when I arrived here at this retreat, uh, I and my wife, nós não tínhamos noção exata do que ia acontecer. We didn't have much of an idea of exactly what was to happen. A minha esposa passou por uma cirurgia. My wife has recently undergone surgery. Ela estava na dúvida se viria ou não. She was wondering if she should come or not. Eu disse para ela, vamos porque seremos surpreendidos. But I told her, let's go because we will be surprised. E fomos surpreendidos. And we were surprised. <laughs> Nós temos ministrado há muitos anos. We have ministered for many years. Só estamos há muitos anos dando, dando, dando. And for many years, all we have done is give, give, give. E temos recebido muito pouco. And we have received very little. Então durante esses dias aqui nós recebemos. But during this retreat, these days, we have received much. Eu tenho certeza que para todos que estão aqui. And I'm sure that the same applies to all which are here. Sentar e receber é muito raro. To sit and receive is very rare in our lives. Que Deus, então, retribua vocês. May God uh, give you uh, in kind back into your lives. And may this lady who donated the resources to make this happen. Que vocês isso. And that may you continue firmly established to doing this type of retreat. Me and my wife, we are very grateful for all that you have done for us. We leave here with a renewed spirit. Lord bless you. Next. Last year, I'm uh, in a period of burnout. Apesar de ser psicóloga, teóloga. Even though I'm a psychologist, a theologian, Mas eu tô cuidando de uma mãe que tem Alzheimer. And, but I'm uh, caring for my mom who has Alzheimer's. E às vezes a gente tem que ser como o povo, né? A mulher em si, mulher de pastor, né? Mãe, tem que ser como o povo. Você tem várias mãos para fazer várias coisas. Sometimes we need to be like an octopus with many tentacles reaching out to care for family and church and many other responsibilities. E eu também sou missionária. I'm also a missionary. I really wanted to go to Lebanon this year, but I uh, wasn't able to do so. Because of all of these issues which are going on in my life. But God is good. And during this time together, Two days that Hannah was being cared for by the team that looked after the children. Eu consegui sentar. I was able to sit here. É ouvir. Listen. Absorber. Absorb. É glorificar Deus também. And glorify God as well. Então assim Deus é bom. So God is good. Deus ele cuida mutualmente. He cares for us mutually. Ele cuida dos pastores. He takes care of the pastors. Mas cuida das mulheres. He also takes care of the wives. E cada uma dentro das suas necessidades. And each one according to their needs. Então eu não sei as necessidades de todas as mulheres aqui. I don't know what the needs are of all the women here. Porque nós somos mulheres. Uh, because uh, we're not women, I say to God, uh, I don't want to be Wonder Woman. But I want to be a wonderful woman. <laughs> but for that to happen, I need to take care of myself. 
Evelyn. Evelyn, Cindy. Durante esses tempos, Deus me restaurou aqui. So during this retreat, God has been restoring my life. Foi curto. It was short. Mas foi restaurador. But it was restoring. Amém. Amém. Wife and I, Vanya, we were able to receive into our home a very well-known pastor in Brazil who is now with the Lord, Russell Shedd. E eu tinha também naquele momento um primo que estava conosco naquele almoço. And uh, during uh, the lunchtime uh, with us uh, was a cousin of mine. E ele fez uma pergunta para o pastor Shedd a respeito de um pastor, um líder que tinha caído numa falha moral. And he presented at that moment a question to Dr. Shedd concerning another pastor who had had some moral failure. E a resposta do pastor Shedd foi muito simples e muito objetiva e claro muito sábia. And Dr. Shedd's uh, answer was very short, very simple, and full of wisdom. O homem é a mensagem. He said, the man is the message. E eu quero usar exatamente essa expressão para falar um pouquinho daquilo que nós experimentamos aqui nesses dias. And I want to use this same phrase to describe our experience these days here. Nós percebemos claramente nos quatro irmãos aqui essa verdade de que eles com a sua própria vida falam não apenas o que foi ministrado, que foi muito bom, mas as experiências pessoais confirmam isso. You have all demonstrated through your lives, through all that you are, not only the message that you brought, but you have backed that up with who you are, the way that you live your lives, who you are and how you do things. Eu tive a experiência de participar de encontros, simbólicos ou mesmo ler alguns livros, experiências fabulosas de muitas, muitos líderes que têm altos patamares de desempenho. I've had the privilege of uh, attending many different uh, conferences with many different leaders, uh, uh, people which have achieved the highest levels of spirituality and of fame. Mas dificilmente falam do que deu errado. But very rarely do they talk about those things which have gone wrong. A humanidade está um pouco escondida atrás de todo aquele ótimo desempenho. They mask their humanity behind their achievements. Mas nós experimentamos de vocês muita sinceridade, muita simplicidade, com muita excelência. But we have experienced from you all uh, sincerity, uh, simplicity, uh, with, uh, uh, backed up by your experiences. E isso toca muito nosso coração. And this speaks directly to our hearts. Obrigado por serem quem são. Thank you for who you are por abrirem um coração tão maravilhosamente conosco nesses dias. And for opening in such a marvelous manner your hearts to us. Realmente foram usados por Deus para nos abençoar. We were used by God tremendously to bless us. Algumas das experiências que nós tivemos aqui, tenho certeza, nós nunca esqueceremos. Some of the experiences that which we have had these days together, I am certain that we will never forget. E esperamos poder repartir com outros com a mesma Excelência que vocês fizeram conosco. Our desires that we will be able to share with others the same excellent level that you have shared with us. Muito obrigado que Deus os recompense maravilhosamente. And may God pay you back marvelously. Okay, thank you. So this uh, was a very important time for the pastors over there, and um, uh, Ping Hong also ministered. Uh, to the business people. He, he taught the business people on the principles and the things to look for in business and how uh, to operate as a Christian uh, in the business world. So everything really went uh, incredibly well and, and we thank God that, uh, you know, it's very strange this retreat because in most of the retreats, pastors and wives retreats that we have run for the last 15 years, It's usually mostly the pastor's wives who are crying in the retreat. But in this retreat, the pastors, the men are crying, but the wives were not. The wives must be having great time, you know. But the, the pastors themselves, they show tremendous strain. And they were all crying and they were hugging them, uh, each other and they were washing each other's feet. We had a time of feet washing. And as they washed each other's feet, they were crying 
And I, I really believe the Holy Spirit ministered to them very powerfully. So thank you for your support and prayer because without your support and prayer, this thing would not have been possible, all right? It, it costs quite a lot for us to make this trip. And uh, in, in the first video, it talked about thanking the lady who contributed to make that uh, retreat possible. And that lady, I won't name her, uh, she's a non-Christian. And she donated 30,000 Australian dollars towards this cause. Can you imagine that? See how God provides uh, for the kingdom of God through a non-sort of halfway. She's halfway. She experienced the miracle of God, all right? And uh, I can talk to you more about that later. But today, I want to start on my sermon sermon uh, entitled Spiritual Friendship. So we are on this theme of you got a friend in me and I'm going to focus on the spiritual aspect of friendship, all right? Um, this theme called You've Got a Friend in Me uh, reminds me of the Carol King song, You've Got a Friend. It used to be one of my favorite songs in, in the 70s. And I used to sing it. In fact, the words are quite meaningful. But uh, it's uh, in, in John 15 and verse 13, all right? Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's a tall order, isn't it? To, uh, <clears throat> to say that the great, you know, in order to be a true friend, you have to... In, Express love by laying down your life for your friends. That's very different now from the friendship I find nowadays. The friendship that we find nowadays is that you look for a friend for your own needs, isn't it? You, you want friends because you're lonely, so you, you're reaching out to people or you're attending functions. It's for yourself. But this Verse from Jesus, and he lifted out by dying for, for us. He calls us friends. And, and, it's, and, and it reflects the fact that friendship is actually meant for the other person. You are reaching out in love because you have the love of God in your heart. So are we reaching out to people in friendship for ourselves? Or is it for the other person? Is it a selfish or a selfless kind of friendship is what I'm talking about right now. So I want to just pray right now that God would begin to stir our hearts and convict us about the kind of friendship, about the motive that we have in having friends. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to be our friend. And we thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit to us so that we can have the quality of friendship that we are meant to achieve. Jesus set the example for us. But in our own strength, we are not able to be true friends. So come and empower us for this, um, for this commandment that you've given to us that we will... Develop friendship out of a motive of love. And greater love has no one than this, than to lay down our life for our friends. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the greatest gift if we love our friends or our family so much? What's the greatest gift that you can give to your friend? Is it a Ferrari if you're rich enough? That's a great gift, isn't it? I, I would love to have one. How about a stash of cash? Anyone for it? Oh, not many. <laughs> or is it comfort and, you know, help in times of need? All these things are tremendous. It's really great to be able to give these things, but they all are in the natural realm. But God wants us to go beyond that because 
the greatest gift on earth, I believe, is eternal life and salvation. Because what does it, it says in Mark uh, 8.36, it says, For what will it profit a man or a woman if he or she gains the whole world and loses his soul? All of us are so uh, temporal, so temporary in our thinking. We are just so concerned about our present life, what we are to eat, what to wear, and, and how we are, what state we are in. Even with this coronavirus issue, we are just so worried because we are so concerned about our life here on earth. But, you know, should the coronavirus take me home, I go home to a better place, to, 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 uh, to heaven. And what a wonderful place to go to. My father, before he died, and he accepted the Lord just before he died, he, he had cancer that spread through his whole body. He was not a Christian. We are all raised Taoists and Buddhists. But just before he died, he accepted the Lord. I, I won't go into the, the long story. You can read that in my book. But uh, he saw... Uh, the, the, a few days before he died, God showed him angels that came around him. And then he, his eyes were opened to see heaven. He began to ask us, uh, what's this place that's so beautiful, so wonderful? I really want to go there. And just before he died, Jesus came to the room and took him home. Heaven is a wonderful place. So what does it profit a person if he gains everything, Ferrari and money and everything, but loses his soul? In Revelations 20, 15, if anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is in the Bible. That's the reason for our motivation in witnessing. But we don't go Bible bashing people, right? There's a proper way of witnessing. And I'm going to show you the spiritual approach to witnessing. It's so important that we have, first of all, this burden, this love for our loved ones, for our friends. And we don't want to see them go into the lake of fire or go into eternal death. But we want them to have eternal life. That's the greatest gift I've given to my nephew Chris. At the age of five, he was a kung fu kid. Scratching, kicking, digging people's eyes out. And, or he tried to, you know. He even threw a brick at his own sister. But when... I came and I, I, I wasn't sure how to handle him when, when uh, his mom, my sister, told me you'll be, you'll be meeting my son, but be careful, he, he may attack you. And the Lord gave me wisdom. Before he attacked me, I attacked him first. I, I caught hold of him and said, Chris, do you want to hear a fighting story? And when he heard fighting, he, he got excited. And I said, in order to, for me to tell you this fighting story, you've got to calm down, sit down here, and let me tell you the story. And I told him the story of David and Goliath. And at the end of the story, I asked him, uh, do you want to be like David, killing giants? I didn't tell him what sort of giants. All right? He says, yes, 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 I want to be a giant killer. I said, then you have to say this after me. I tricked him into saying the sinner's prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all my violence. I renounce all of that. Jesus, come into my heart and make me a champion, a strong man to be able to kill giants. And immediately after saying the prayer, I vamushed. Because I didn't know if, you know, God worked on him or not. But a day or two later... Auntie Peggy, you know, rang me and said, Roland, what did you do with my son? I said, what happened? Did he die? You know. <laughs> he says, no, he's overnight transformed into as meek as a lamb. <laughs> and, and I think that was part of the reason uh, why 
Peggy herself came to the Lord. She came to our house, listened to us. We were listening to a tape. She broke down and she accepted the Lord and we baptized her immediately in our bathtub, you know. And, and that was the power of the gospel those days. And so, you know, even if I don't give you anything, Chris, I've given you the most important gift, the best gift. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Uh, in, in Greek, it's matures, which same uh, where, where the word martyr comes from. So to be a witness, you have to lay down your life to be a martyr to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, you know, many of us think that witnessing is just a task that we do, you know. We, we go and tell people the gospel, give them the four spiritual laws, give them a Christian tract, and we've done our job with witness. But you can't witness on your own. You will not get results if you are doing it in your own strength. That's why there's not much fruit from the witnessing that a lot of people do. Why? Because you need power. You need to receive power from the Holy Spirit first before you can be true witnesses of Jesus. And I want to focus on that, on how to receive that power so that you can impact other people's lives. Even in going to Brazil, I couldn't impact the lives of the, of the pastors without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. I take no credit for all I do. All I'm doing is being obedient to God, but I rely on the Holy Spirit and I pray, we pray a lot for this retreat. And uh, Ping Hong and Cindy and I, we gather in our, our home to pray for this retreat before uh, we go because we know that without the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing can happen. And we pray that uh, usually when I travel a lot, I, I get sick because of, uh, you know, my, my immunity drops. And so, so I, 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 we were praying that we will not fall sick during our time in South America. But I forgot to pray that we will not get sick when I go to America. So throughout whole of South America, we were healthy like anything. The moment I reached America, I felt sick. So really, you know, we can't rely on ourselves. We need God's power to be His witnesses. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power through healing, miraculous signs and wonders. Only the Holy Spirit can convict hearts and bring about repentance. And this is really evident in times of revival. That's why we need to pray that uh, revival will come, that the Holy Spirit's presence will be so evident in our midst. During the time of revival in Malaysia, uh, when we were part of that, and, and I was pastoring in, in a big church called Full Gospel Assembly by the same name, our mother church, so to speak, uh, we would have people knocking on our office door from the street, coming in, knocking, and then we ask, yes, how can we help you? What, what do you want? They just said, we want to know more about Jesus. And they would come into our office to get saved. <laughs> we didn't do any witnessing at all. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that convicted people's heart and they saw a church and they decided to come in to get saved. All right? And, and I just had a, a message from Pastor Chris Alam who shared the testimony of in one of his crusades in Africa, many people got saved and one of them was trained to be a church planter and he went to this Muslim area to preach the gospel and he had very little results. And he continued to, to pray and fast and, and reach out to the Muslims and no one responded because it's a Muslim area, 
all right? And then one day, one of the people that he was reaching out to, uh, he heard the message that he died. And so the moment he heard that, he rushed to their home and, and that, that, that man was laying dead on his bed and he came and prayed for him and he rose from the dead. And as a result of that, a church grew out of that miracle. And, and today, even right now, it's a thriving church in that Muslim community. So without signs and wonders and mighty miracles, our witnessing is greatly handicapped. We've got to rely on the power and believe that signs and wonders and miracles and healing will take place with the preaching of the gospel and relying on the Holy Spirit to convict hearts and bring about repentance, all right? And so here in uh, Brazil, as I told you, three million evangelicals march for Jesus because there's such a spirit of revival in that place. I tell you, it was such a joy to be preaching there. It just felt like uh, being in Malaysia in the 80s when we had revival. You know, I wish that the atmosphere will come back, come into Melbourne. Such a difference. All right, here's uh, uh, Luke 10, 19. It's a bit of a joke here in, in this cartoon. It says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, God has given us authority and power to overcome even coronavirus. But we are intimidated by the devil. And, you know, just last week, Dr. Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, raise your hand. Yeah, She uh, has been raised, if you don't mind me sharing, yeah, uh, she, she's raised in a Catholic environment, but she's never been taught to invite Jesus into her life. And so last week after the service, we... Uh, met and, and she was uh, having a, a bad cold. And uh, most people would be afraid, thinking that, hey, is it corona, coronavirus <laughs> or whatever it is. But uh, the Lord prompted me to um, get her to say the sinner's prayer, to invite Jesus into her life for the first time. And, uh, and, and she says, yeah, I've been a, a Catholic all for many years, and but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to invite Jesus into my life. And uh, so this morning, she told me, uh, caught me outside before the service. She says, after that uh, prayer of inviting Jesus, uh, I don't know whether I prayed for your cold or not. Maybe not, you know. But she says her cold immediately left. And by the time she went home, she was totally healed. And she's a doctor herself. So, you know, there is power in the gospel. There is power in Jesus. Jesus gives us authority to trample, not power. It says he gives us authority. What we need is spiritual authority. I remember on our trip, um, in, on our cruise, after the retreat, we went on this cruise uh, from Rio down to the end of the earth, the uh, what what do you call it? Cape Horn, is it Cape Horn? And uh, and up again to Santiago. The uh, the captain of the ship was uh, uh, cautioning the uh, the people in in the ship. What do you call it, the passengers? That uh, we are going to face turbulent waters as we go down to Cape Horn. You may ha be having very calm uh, journey at the moment, but the moment we go down to Falkland Island and to Cape Horn, uh, in invariably, almost all the time that we've been through all this journey, it's very turbulent, and so the waves will be many meters high. All right, and so Ping Hong and and us, we, we started declaring 
and praying. We will not have turbulent waters. We take authority over the sea and we speak shalom, calm to the sea. And so as our ship went down to Cape Horn, you know, the, the devil began to bring the waves and, and we, we could see the, the ship tossing a little bit. And, but, you know, as soon as the thing happened, you know, the swimming pool, I was just standing outside the swimming pool and all the waters were spilling out kind of thing. And then I said, I rebuke you. I command the seas to be calm right now. And guess what? The swimming pool suddenly became calm. And, and we never had any turbulence throughout that whole trip. And the director of operations told us in, in the theater where we, we all met, he says, never have we had a cruise so calm. <laughs> See, it works. Authority, we need spiritual authority. But I'm going to share with you how we can have spiritual authority. Because many a times we pray, nothing happens, and we think it doesn't work. And the reason why our prayers don't work is because we have not risen up to that level of spiritual authority. And we lack spiritual authority in our lives. That's why it doesn't work. So how do we increase our spiritual authority? You know, Jesus uh, prayed for the centurion's servant and the centurion said, uh, Jesus, you don't have to come because I'm a man under authority and uh, if you say the word, it shall be done, all right? And, and so when Jesus heard that, he was amazed at his uh, revelation, his insight and his understanding of authority. And, and so the servant was instantly healed. But one of the ways of having spiritual authority is to be under authority, Without you being under authority, you cannot have spiritual authority. And I know that there are many Christians who like to do their own thing, but don't come under spiritual authority. And so even in planting this church before we came, Evelyn and I came to plant this church with a group of people here, I, I made sure that we were under the authority of our mother church in FGA Kuala Lumpur. And that's so important. But here's a key here in Luke 19 verse 17. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Now, you know, many a times we have read this, this story, this uh, uh, parable that Jesus gave about, you know, if you, uh, to, to one was given uh, one mina, you know, another two, another five, and the person with the one, he hit the, uh, the talent and, and, and was rebuked by Jesus. But the others who were faithful with whatever was given to them, more was given. And then in this verse here, it says, because you were faithful in very little. Here's the key. If you are faithful in the little things, See, many a times we despise the little things that God gives to us. In, uh, you know, coming on time, in uh, coming for prayer, uh, our, our corporate prayer now began this, this morning. I would invite you to come to our corporate prayer. Without prayer, you cannot have spiritual power and authority. You want to see things shift. You want to th see things move. You want to see miracles in your life. You need to invest more in prayer and uh, in being faithful in the little things that have been given to you. So perhaps you've been given the task of ushering. You, you might think, ah, you know, it's only ushering. I can skip it, I, even though you're scheduled, but you say, oh, it's just a small task. Forget about it. Guess what? You diminish in authority. Things may not happen to you, but your spiritual authority gets diminished. But if you're faithful over a long time in the little things, that's how I grew spiritually myself. 
and I realize now that I can calm the sea, <laughs> not, the, uh, not me, but through the name of Jesus, that happened uh, because I've been faithful year after year in what God gives to me. I believe in this verse. As you are faithful, Roger, in worship ministry, in, in this ministry or that ministry, God begins, without you realizing, you increase in spiritual authority. I remember when we used to fly so often for missions, uh, the turbulence would hit us terribly. And we didn't know how to cope with the turbulence and we'll be so fearful as a plane dives down, you know, through the turbulence and, and all of that. And one day, I got fed up. I said, hey, I'm serving God. I'm being sent by God on missions and I'm going to take authority against all this turbulence that comes my way. And so now, in all our flights, whenever turbulence hits, I, I rebuke the devil. <laughs> and I say, turbulence, be gone. And suddenly the, planes, the plane comes still and calm. We've, we've tested that many times. And so my authority over turbulence in planes has grown. You can travel with me now, all right? If you don't want turbulence. So maybe you start praying for backaches and headaches. You, you have authority over that. And if you're faithful in doing that, guess what? God will elevate you to pray for more and more serious cases to the point you can pray for cancers and cancers will drop off. All right? So it's all about authority. That's why in Matthew 28, uh, uh, 18 to 20, it says in verse 18, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. He didn't say all power. He said all authority. Because Jesus submitted himself to the Father and even to the point of death on the cross. He began to grow, he, you know, as a person, he, he was human as well. His authority was so elevated and now he gives us that authority, all right? And witnessing, let me say, is a spiritual warfare. Witnessing is not just telling people the gospel. It's spiritual warfare. In 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4, it says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So God wants to shine His light through the gospel into every human being on this earth. But not everybody is receiving it, especially the atheists who are blinded. They are blinded by the God of this age. Who is the God of this age? It's Satan himself. See, we don't realize that when we witness to people, their eyes their spiritual mind and heart, it's blinded by Satan. Satan has pulled the wool over, over them and preventing them from receiving the word of God. So it's not so easy as just going to tell people the gospel of Jesus. You know, I had a, a real tough time preaching, sharing the gospel with my brother-in-laws. Because my brother-in-laws were really hard nuts. They, is that true, Paul? Yeah. I, and, you know, one time, uh, in the early days, in, in early 1980s, when, uh, I, I, you know, there was a call for me to, to preach at a, couple, a few churches in Singapore. I was in Kuala Lumpur. We had just come back from England and, and people heard about us. And so uh, we, there were a few invitations to minister in three churches there. And uh, my sister, Jessie, and her family, they were based in Singapore. And before going there, 
I had a real burden for my sister's salvation. And so I decided to take a Saturday off because I was working with Unilever during that time. And on one Saturday before we uh, left, uh, to, to, I took leave to go down to minister. Uh, this burden for the salvation of my sister, Jessie, was so great that I, I fasted. All right, can't remember how many days, but on the Saturday, as I was fasting and interceding and praying for my sister, I, I went into such intense intercession for my sister. And, and to the point that I was groaning. I was on the floor groaning. I, you know, words couldn't come out, but it was just groaning. Like the Bible says in, uh, I think in, in Romans uh, was it eight or something? Yeah, it says where you groan in the spirit. And I was groaning for my sister and her family's salvation. So we went down to Singapore and I didn't even preach the gospel to my sister, but I asked my sister, could you kindly, because those days they didn't have Uber, you know, and I didn't have much money to pay for taxis and all of that, and I said, Could, would you mind taking me to the various churches where I'm preaching? She says, oh, I, I'm, I'll gladly do that. You know, you're my brother. I haven't seen you for a long time. You know, welcome and I'll do that. And so she, over the next three days, took me to three churches to minister. At the end of the three days of ministering, and of course she sat in the meetings, she says, brother, I want to receive Jesus into my life. So I baptized her in her bathtub and I got into trouble with my brother-in-law and he nearly killed me, literally, all right? I won't go into that. But there are many, you know, in order to witness to people, you've got to do spiritual warfare because it is not just witnessing. You've got to break the blindness, the, 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 the bondages that the devil has put over them. And you've got to pay the price for, for their salvation. You have to, uh, it says this kind does not go sometimes, but through fasting and prayer. Are we willing uh, to pay the price to fast and pray for our loved ones, for our friends? Another, there are many forms of spiritual warfare. Praise and worship is another form of spiritual warfare. Exercising authority, like what I, I, I told you earlier, binding and loosing is spiritual authority. Declaration of God's word and, uh, and peace. You know, when Jesus was in the boat and there was, he was caught in a storm with the disciples, what did he do? He said, peace be still. He spoke peace. Peace is a very powerful, tangible thing. It's not just lack of trouble that is peace, but peace is a positive thing that overcomes trouble, all right, and turmoil. And you begin to declare God's word, peace, and you begin to declare the, the atmosphere of heaven into your situation. Many a times when we are facing turmoil, fear, and all of that, it's because your atmosphere is filled with demonic influences. And you go to your office, it's, it's terrible, or your home where there's a lot of strife and quarreling and all that. What's, what's happening? It's demonic forces behind the scenes. And you've got to declare the atmosphere of heaven, the, the atmosphere of peace and God's word. And... Intercession, identification such as groaning is another form of spiritual warfare. Dancing, clapping, rejoicing, shouting, tongues. All these are different forms of spiritual warfare. I can share with you many, many stories. When we were in Vietnam uh, uh, and, and the police came to arrest us and we went through nearly three hours of interrogation uh, Evelyn quickly texted the ladies, the, thank God for the ladies group, to, uh, to pray for us. And they began to dance and, and sing and worship uh, over us. Uh, we were in Vietnam and after nearly three hours of interrogation, they just released us. And that, 
uh, CIA guy. He calls himself CIA. You know, I'm the equivalent of CIA, he says. And, and uh, he would interrogate us and he would get angry from time to time. And each time he, he got angry, uh, we didn't know what he was going to do, uh, his phone would ring. His mobile phone would ring and then he'll go by the side and talk, talk, talk and then he'll come back to, to us and by then he had calmed down. And that happened a few times. Every time he got angry, the phone would ring. And that's, I think, as a result of this prayer and intercession by the ladies, all right? Prayer avails much in James 5.16. Confess your trespasses or faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It avails much. That's what the Word of God says. Prayer avails much. Prayer is effective. Even against the coronavirus, I believe if more of us come together at our corporate prayer meetings and, and we are having the National Day of Prayer on the 23rd Saturday of, uh, of February this month, uh, from 10 to 3, we will be praying together with the rest of Australia. I believe that, it, you know, because in unity and in numbers, we can overcome this. The authority level increases as a result of that. See, it says here that if you confess your faults one another, confession is actually also a very powerful thing. And if we have faults against each other, we, we have hurts or bitterness towards each other, confession and forgiveness is another form of spiritual warfare. It, uh, this, this is a psychologist, Jung, uh, he wrote, he says, Man, a naturally religious being, has a need to confess his wrong and to gain forgiveness of one sanction uh, to absolve. The curative effect of confession has been known for centuries. Without confession, man remains in moral isolation. Priests, ministers, and rabbis, as well as psychotherapists, attest to the universality of this human phenomenon. Confession is located in that place where psychology and religion meet, dealing with guilt. And, and this, he's, I don't know if he's even a Christian, but he was in the time of Sigmund Freud. He may not be a, a Christian, but yet he acknowledged that that it's important for us. And, and that's why the Catholics have the confession box. They've, they've gone into an extreme. But uh, nevertheless, you know, even though they've done it wrongly, but confessing to one another. We need to, if we are laden with guilt, we need to ask someone to pray for you to release uh, your, your guilt and, and sin that's in your life. It's very powerful. And so finally, my last verse, in supporting our friends spiritually, do you know how to pray for your family and friends? Do you know how to counsel or minister to your friend in times of need? Do you know how to share the gospel in a relevant and sensitive way? If in your heart, you're saying, no, I don't, in, even in some of that. You know, we are running courses. I've run many courses, but not many people <laughs> seem to come. And that's why you remain unable to handle these situations. When times of crisis come, are you able to minister? Are you in fear or are you in peace? And are you able to give what's within you? So that's why the armor of God is so important for us to put armor of God so that we are in truth, in righteousness, in peace, and in faith with the right mindset and with the right words, the sword of the Spirit to speak to people. It's spiritual preparation. Just before I returned from the US, as you all would have read, 
there was a shooting in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, all right, which is Dallas. Dallas, Fort Worth is, is uh, the same. And, and there was a Church of Christ church where this guy came with uh, a gun and, and he was intending to spray and kill all the members in the church. But the law had changed in Texas to allow people to carry guns in the church to, to safeguard the church. And so uh, the church had appointed two lay persons to be guards of the church, to, to have guns with them in church. I'm not advocating that here, all right? But this, there's a point that I'm trying to make that because they were prepared and alert, it averted a disaster. And the Lord, through that incident, because it was just next door to us, all right, where my daughter was living, it's not far from us. The Lord was saying, this year, 2020, is a year where the devil will try and come in like a flood. But we, the church, must be alert and prepared for the eventualities that will come. And during that time, the coronavirus thing had not happened yet. And, and the Lord was saying that this year, the world is going to see significant challenges. And, and that the church must be awake, must be prepared and alert and do spiritual warfare and take authority against these things that are going to happen. All right? And so my wife was just sharing earlier on that when we came back after our two-month trip, we found rats running in our garden. And so she began to draw the blood of Jesus, bloodline around the house and say, no pestilence will come anymore to our house and, and bind the spirit of this rat because it's the year of the rat, you know. And, and this rat is trying to come in and, and because... How do we know it's a rat? Because our security camera caught it, all right? We could see the rat running around. But then two weeks late, so for two weeks we had peace. The, ca the camera was not signaling anything. But two weeks later, it signaled again, and then we saw that in the camera, it was a cat. <laughs> the Lord sent a neighbor's cat to come and patrol our house. Isn't that great? So prayer is very powerful, and I want to just end right now by praying for, for people, all right, to have this spiritual authority. That if you want to, uh, you, you want to, you know, put up your hands to say, Lord, I want to grow in spiritual authority. Forgive me, Lord, for not being faithful in the little I want to grow in spiritual authority. I want to know how to pray. I want to uh, be able to impact people's lives, be able to speak life and healing to other people. I would like you to stand up right now, if, if you could. Those who would like God for God to come in and breathe power and life and authority into our lives, just stand up right now and to commit yourselves afresh to Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we come to you as a church this morning to say that we are in need of you. We are in need of your power and your authority to be able to reach out to our friends and our loved ones. In our own strength, we do not have that. So we need you, Holy Spirit. Come breathe new life. Come breathe strength and power and authority into us. Transform us, Lord. Soften our hearts. Let not our hearts be hardened this year. But help us to be alert, to be prepared for what's coming in the days ahead of us, Lord. Many of us are spiritually asleep. Help us to awaken and to be alert so that just like in that church, 
in the natural realm, they were alert and so it averted a lot of disaster. Father, help us to be alert because the devil comes in to steal, to kill and to destroy. But you have come to give life and life abundantly. And we are your agents of life here, Lord. Father, come and touch your people that they may have your life and that they may be life-giving spirit wherever they go, bringing life and health rather than fear, but we breathe life and faith and boldness wherever we go. Bless your church. Bless us, Lord, that we may be a blessing to our community. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Those of you who would like personal prayer, our healing our altar team, altar ministry team will come forward and you can come up. The service, I'll, I'll pass this to Pastor Chris. Hey, uh, just before you go, I want to do a quick reminder that next week at 9 o'clock, the focus of our corporate prayer will be to pray spiritually for our friends. So let's just not do theory. Let's be a church that's spiritually alive. Uh, 